0: This is Ron Thurston, and we are live in Orlando, Florida with Hugh Lynn. Welcome to Retail in America. Thank you for listening and subscribing. This podcast is part of the Retail in America tour and an Airstream trailer, my year long journey to discover these incredible retail heroes all across the country, celebrating our retail culture, community, and careers. Every episode will be recorded in person, like a conversation around the campfire, telling stories, sharing what inspires us, why we love what we do, and always with a sense of retail pride. Today, we are in Orlando, Florida, ready to meet another retail hero. But before we get started, I wanna thank the three important title sponsors, Fueling the Retail in America Tour, and this podcast. Spotify Advertising. Spotify is the number one podcast platform in the US with over 380 million monthly active users around the globe, over half of which are supported on the ad platform. Spotify Advertising will help you reach and target your audience across devices, locations, and formats. Ubik, over 300 companies in 80 countries trust Ubik to drive their retail performance at scale Get real-time visibility into multi-location, business execution, digitized task management, and consistent digital mobile learning for their teams. And KWI, KWI is the industry's only true turnkey omni-channel platform for specialty retailers. With over 35 years of experience, let KWI help you execute flawlessly with the features that matter most, including endless aisle, clienteling, mobile checkout, inventory management, e-commerce, and more. The links to learn more about all three of these great brands will be in the show notes. And with that, let's get started. I would love to introduce everyone to another great retail leader, Hugh Lin. Hugh's a Florida native who started in retail just to get through college, and he was initially studying to be a math teacher, of all things, although he did go on to get his MBA in HR from Nova Southeastern University. Today, he says, I get to be a teacher and for the most part, choose my students. I have always been fascinated by leadership and what goes into being a great leader. I have failed more times than I have succeeded, but the learnings from that failure have fueled my success. He is currently with office Depot as a general manager right here in Orlando. uh, But prior to that, spent 13 years growing his career at Lane Bryant. Uh, He was the first, Non fashion guest on the podcast, which is a really important moment to say retail encompasses many different aspects, many different parts of the industry. And I'm really excited that Hugh's here today. Hugh's happily married to his husband, Devin. They've been together 16 years. Devin's actually here with us in studio today. And he says that his secret superpower is empathy. And he has found that leaders can solve most problems with compassion and patience. And with that, welcome to Retail in America, Hugh. Hi, Ron. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So we met through a friend of mine who also works for Office Depot, Billy Kissel. And Billy and I met 15 years ago. I was uh, leading West Elm in the Southeast. We were opening our first West Elm store here in Florida, and I hired Billy to be the general manager of that building at Dayland Mall. And we've just stayed, of course, in contact, as we always do in retail. And Billy today is a regional senior vice president for Office Depot and leads a very large organization. And then you reached out to me last year to speak to your employee resource group in Pride Month to talk about retail yeah. pride and what it means to be proud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was really honored to do that at the time. How was that received?
1: It's been received tremendously well. It actually came at the perfect time, really, because at about that time is when they were rolling out the senior GM role, where to forward think having general managers run multiple buildings. And in particular, a lot of the regions adopted retail pride, and it helped reinvigorate a lot of the staffing because Office Depot in particular has changed a lot over the past seven years and to have retail pride uh, become adopted by the organization has helped fuel i think a lot of success and there honestly isn't a call that I'm on with either someone in a VP level to where they
0: ask about retail pride. Wow, well, I'm really I'm <laughs> honored to hear that, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and again, it's another idea that retail pride translates into every different part of, of our industry. And in Office Depot, as a brand that you may not have a perception of feeling like there's, it's full of people who are really proud of a retail career, has exactly that. And I love that journey together. So we're here in Orlando to talk about retail in America. So you've been here, sounds like most of your life. Yeah.
1: um, When I think of Orlando, it's almost like a suburban setting with a city flair. You know, you can find people from every background in Orlando and you get to experience the different cultures And a good platform for any type of retail career is being able to connect with people from varying backgrounds. And Orlando in particular is a relationship-based setting. People, before they do business with you, before they grow you in a career, they want to get to know you and know that your heart is in it. So I would have to say that is the Orlando retail, is that it's all about people having their heart in it and
0: building those relationships. And you said your particular building is one of the most complex, or the most complex in Florida, and it's right by the convention center. Yes. So on top of that, you have a very wide variety of customers coming through here from all over the world. Uh, Yes.
1: um, In particular, it's one of the concept stores, uh, one of eight, where we have a co-working space attached to it. So we have businesses that operate out and rent private offices from us. We have folks that rent space inside an open workspace setting to run their business from. If there's one thing that these past two years have taught us with COVID is that folks that transition to working from home, working from home isn't always feasible. Yeah. So Office Depot being a game changer was like, you know, let's build out a co-working space inside of our stores to offer our customers another service. And it can get rather complex with not only dealing with the traditional brick and mortar customers, but also working with businesses and entrepreneurs that are working out
0: of the space to help them grow their business too. And then you have all the kind of supplements of having Office Depot right next door. So then all the services that you need. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a win for sure. Yeah. Take us back to the beginning of your career, early Lane Bryant. You started on the sales floor, it sounds like. Yeah, I started as an
1: associate on the sales floor. And for me, it really was just a job. And I'm not going to say I was the best associate or the best employee because I was not. (laughs) (laughs) My heart wasn't 100% in it. And when I think back why it wasn't in it, I would have to say it was a probably a little bit of the culture uh, or the environment. Maybe Um, I think people uh, succeed or fail based on the environment, not necessarily the leader. So, you know, as I went through my early years of retail, I made a lot of mistakes and I had some really good leaders and I had some really bad leaders. But I think what's unique is, is sometimes bad leaders don't know that they're actually bad leaders. It's just how they were taught. So, I would never judge somebody for bad leadership decisions because I've made quite a few myself. One of my favorite authors, Jocko Willink, says, be humble or get humbled. And Mm -hmm. I would have to say that is the journey in my leadership philosophy. And as I journeyed through my years at Lane Bryant, I realized that there is a true need for people that actually teach people how to be leaders. Mm -hmm. So that became my focus is, how do I become a really good leader? And what's unique about that is, is that it's a never ending journey.
0: You're mm-hmm. always gonna be working to
1: be a really good
0: leader. And how does your MBA and HR play into that? So you learned some skills and some concepts and you did a lot of research and you wrote papers about HR that many of us that work in retail leadership didn't have exposure to. So how did that make you today a better leader?
1: Um, How I use my education has been really, uh, to help tie together and help them understand. So if we are going through some type of change or if I need support when it comes to employee relations or employee guidance, I can use those skill sets that I had. And I also get to help leverage it to grow and develop, people around me at every level and it also helped me get super comfortable delivering feedback up and down
0: Mm -hmm. when you think back to those times you said you didn't judge leaders that didn't always do the right thing because they weren't taught correctly so that has become a mission for you to teach everyone around you so you have this education you have this work experience and now it is your mission to build great leaders all around you, which is incredible. It's an incredible way to think about your impact in retail.
1: I I remember what was like the turning point for me after I graduated with the traditional four-year degree with the intent to go and be a math teacher. I ran across a video by Drew Dudley called leading with lollipops And in particular, he made it his mission to study what goes into being a leader because he's seen uh, really great leaders at all levels of an organization. And that TED Talk in particular uh, helped me realize that leadership can be studied, that it can be fundamentally
0: grown within somebody and you can learn how to do it. And what is your partnership with your HR team in the office, then you know, for Office Depot?
1: I think in particular, we get to spend a lot of time within the associate resource group partnering to help move along policies and initiatives that help make for a more open environment, a more inclusive environment. When companies were just barely tiptoeing on the idea of including pronouns and email signatures, our associate resource group was saying, how can we do this mm-hmm. and how can we help people feel more inclusive in work? I remember the day that Office Depot reached out to me and I got the LinkedIn in-mail message and I was like, huh, okay, I'll hear what they have to say. I was like, Office Depot, what? <laughs> <laughs> don't know what you think about office supplies, except (laughs) I really like them. And, uh, I talked to the recruiter and the recruiter was like, let me tell you what we're doing. Let me tell you where we want to go. And, um, you know, I was reached out because I had the specialty background, which is all about client and associate engagement. And I never realized that all those things that I was learning and crafting and cultivating for 13 years was going to play such a huge part in my career momentum. And it has here because, were solely focused on the client and associate experience in more
0: ways than I've ever seen any other retailer do. Wow. And your biggest role at Lane Bryant was general manager? Yeah, just a general manager. Not just, that's the most important (laughs) role in the store. (laughs) Um, In the company, in my opinion, it is is the most important role because you set the tone for your four walls. But did you feel like that opportunity around leadership and development and training was not as crafted as it is today.
1: Well, I would have to say, um, I think I kind of stopped myself from moving forward because um, when you're somewhere for as long as that, you have tons of people that reach out to you. And I did have tons of people that reached out to me for advancement opportunities, but I just didn't see the, the really the potential in myself. But I think what was the turning point for me was, is in retail for me to share this, it's very, it's not normal. I had the same boss for almost seven years at one point in time. And then the company went through a restructure and he was no longer there. And then I got a new leader who meant well, but we just did not click. And that's where I learned that sometimes people can just learn not great leadership skills and this person went on to, I think, become a good leader through feedback because I did not mind delivering feedback. Mm. I did my best to do it in a respectful way, but it also helped me understand what being a leader, what it really plays into. And you have to work to create a culture, you know, just because you do this really well, someone could probably do it really well too, but how you get to it may be completely different. And that is something that that leader started to learn. But coming from a retail mindset, a lot of people think, right, planograms, right? Planogram has to be set to picture. Well, that mindset is really thinking inside the box. How can we say, get the same result, but we're all going to go at it different ways. And that's one thing that I did terribly miss about that leader that I had for almost seven years. But at the same time, while I love that leader, that leader, I don't think pushed me in a way that when I no longer had him i now was on my own and it kind of propelled me to be like okay is this
0: where i want to be for another 13 years Mm -hmm. fair so let's talk about pride i write in retail pride around the three pillars of what i call retail success of of empathy curiosity and focus is there one that really stands out to you as a towering strength
1: you know, I was thinking about that, and you're going to be surprised with this. Uh, so, yes, empathy is plays a big part in what I do day to day. But honestly, curiosity is where it kind of sparked, and here's why. I was curious to really understand how everything works, how you can motivate people, how you can grow them, how you can get them to want to work together as a team. And through that curious nature, I became really focused on empathy in particular, right? I became so focused on how do you help people understand that you want to connect them and empathy and curiosity do go hand in hand, but then also, okay, so why is empathy so important? Well, empathy is important because it grows trust and you're not going to want to do anything out of your way for someone if you don't trust them.
0: What resources do you use to kind of fuel that curiosity? Because that's a very interesting way to think about I'm going to build my empathetic skills through being more curious, which makes logical sense. But it's a big idea that I think Mm -hmm. is not always absorbed easily. So how did you do that and how do you teach that?
1: Honestly, there are so many tools that I have, Um, but for me, just tons of research. So I guess playing back into what my MBA did for me is it was all about research. How do you solve the problem? So I would just have to say my biggest tool is Google (laughs) (laughs) and then learning how to differentiate. Okay, what are their sources and how do we match this up to make sure it really is true? I utilize LinkedIn a ton, in particular, some content creators from big tech companies that get it right. Because if tech companies are this successful, well, they're this successful because of their people. So how can that success translate into retail brick
0: and mortar where we can touch an even greater populace? Yeah. Is there anyone in particular that you would like to reference?
1: Um, yes. As a matter of fact, there is, um, it would be, uh, Elizabeth Morgan in particular. Mm, tell us. So Elizabeth Morgan, she has an enormous LinkedIn following, but in particular, she speaks the true human nature. And I think that's what a lot of people are are reaching for now more than ever is humanity, right? They don't want stiff, rigid answers. They want you to be human. I mean, Gone is the day when we would come in just because we felt like we had to be there. Now it's more so, okay, well, if you're not feeling well, you need to go home and take care of yourself so you can be your best self at work. And Elizabeth Morgan speaks to that human nature and she speaks openly and honestly about life's facts and that kind of inspired me to, to do the same. You know, she's just gone on this amazing journey and she showcases it.
0: I love people that can share their, their stories of greatness that can inspire others. Thank you. You're welcome. Is there the thing about inspiration? Are there other people in your life that have inspired you?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. In particular, uh, Billy Kissel from earlier. Mm. I remember almost a year ago. Uh, like my mind will just remember certain snippets of conversations, and I'll like I like that. I'm going to add that to to my repertoire, right? And in particular, he said, um, you know, if we could just teach all of our leaders to spend ten minutes of their day to just walk around and get to know their people and talk to their people, our results would grow exponentially. So I'm that type of person to where I said, okay, so Billy, how can we do that? How can we help inspire other people to do that? And he said, you know, just start doing it yourself and then start sharing those results. I'm like, okay, sure. So I started doing that. What did that look
0: like? What did you do?
1: There's a different feeling if someone feels like they're forced to come and talk to you or they feel like they have to come and talk to you.
0: It's a touch base. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Versus. Let's have a conversation, right? <laughs> we spend a lot of time trying to check boxes on a list instead of actually uh, really getting to know our people. Whereas, if you get to know your people and then you take the notes in the background, uh, then you'll get more results, and they'll feel more fulfilled
0: by your leadership. When you did that, as Billy recommended, what happened?
1: You know, you you get to learn really who your people are. You get to understand their strengths and their opportunities. Um, in particular, I can think about someone that uh, doesn't work for me anymore. They went on to do something even better. But when I first met them, it was for me, I was just like, well, okay, <laughs> who is this person? But, you know, if I don't feel like I'm meshing with this person, I'm going to take it on as, okay, this is something with me. So how can I get to learn who they are? And as I got to learn who they are, that connection of trust built just by asking questions. How is your day? How are you doing? Is there anything that you need from me? And just asking, getting that eye contact, being in the present with that person, making sure your cell phone is on silent talking directly to them you gain a connection with them and you build trust Mm -hmm. and then when you build that trust
0: you can then start asking them to do things for you and here's why we need it 10 minutes sounds like not a lot of time but anyone that's listening to this that runs a high volume store like you do 10 minutes is actually sometimes hard to achieve oh it's an immense amount of time it's an immense amount of time it sounds so minimal (laughs) but you know, 10 minutes turns into an hour for the week. So you would Uh say just, I spent an hour of my week, again, small in comparison to the 50 plus you probably work, but such a valuable investment in time. And it's really good advice.
1: And work-life balance is 100% achievable and doing those conversations as well. And here's why I say that. So a lot of people think, you know, like what you just said, 50 plus. I do not work a single minute over 50 hours a week. And here's why. So I have an amazing mentor uh, that's in company, and she really challenged me on that work-life balance piece. And so to have someone who's working from home office challenging a GM on work-life balance when at the end of the day, you know, everybody is focused on p and L, right? right? Uh, that that's a huge. Okay, wow, they care about you. So for me, I had to dial it in. Where do I spend my time, and where do I spend my leadership capital? And that's something that I don't think a lot of people spend enough time talking about is leadership capital. If you have 50 hours a week, where are you going to spend it and where are you going to make the most impact? And I know I walk away every single week saying, okay, I got 70% of the check boxes checked, but I'm consistently overachieving All that I'm supposed to be doing so obviously something is right and maybe that list needs to be shortened and that's what I would challenge some retailers to do is spend more time shortening the list just to say hey I got this
0: done and instead challenge them to build connections or find resources that make that part that check checking the box easier. Absolutely, I'm going to throw in Ubic as as a solution because they're one of the sponsors of the tour but they then provide technology that's easy to use on your phone to do some of that work, paper free. So there are, I think for many retailers, solutions to do exactly what you're describing that then would free up your time. You're in your lead in employee resource group for Office Depot and many other projects. Mm -hmm, You mm -hmm. can only do that within your 50 hours, which is still a lot. It's still managing through running a, a high volume store and contributing to the company, and developing your own skill set to be a better leader. That takes an enormous amount of focus to get that done.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: If you kind of go back, and I love this idea around retail pride, your younger self knew that you were going to have a career in retail, what would you say? I would definitely say be patient, because the moment that I
1: realized that I could do this and I could do this really successfully. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people think of that retail, successful and money. I don't think people think that those three things go together, but you can have a really successful career and make good money in retail. You can. So what I would have told my younger self was to be patient Say that you're going to learn a lot from some really good leaders, some not so good leaders, and through all of those trials and errors, you're going to become a a pretty good leader yourself that can go on and, and help other people be pretty good leaders, too. You know, there's there's no such thing as, as great leader. You're just going to challenge yourself to be better than you were yesterday. And I, I think if I ever had to say instead of great leader, I'd say just be a humble leader. Just be someone who can
0: connect with people and help rally them around a goal. And doing that well, the goals inherently become achievable because you're doing it together.
1: Exactly. And, and just to share kind of like where... That came from, in particular, uh, Simon Sinek. Another piece of conversation that I remember from him was, as if people trust each other in the workplace, they're going to spend less time protecting themselves from each other. And they're going to spend more time working together to solve goals. And I am the first person to send someone to go and help. You know, when someone joins my team, I share with them, we have a greater responsibility. It's not just within these four walls. It's within this 50 mile radius of Orlando. You might have to go and help another store. I'm going to ask you to, and I'm going to hope that you want to do it. I can't make you go and do it, but here's why it's important that we do that. Uh, Because then we get to not only show others that it's entirely possible, especially in, in an environment where Everyone is facing staffing shortages. I really haven't experienced a staffing shortage. And I think the reason why is because of the environment that I cultivate to allow people to feel comfortable coming to be themselves. You know, you were on some of our ARG calls. Yep, I was. Where you can almost feel that culture through digital technology. Yep.
0: <laughs> you I, know? I definitely did. When you say you allow your team to show up however they want to be. What does that look like for you?
1: So uh, everybody has a day when they're not going to be themselves, right? So let's just tackle that and get that out of the way right away, right? If you're not having an okay day, then I want to know, should you be here? If you want to be here, then just tell us, hey, this is what's going on. Like for me, um, I would rather know ahead of time. Okay, so these are my quirks. Or I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, so my mind might wander just a little bit. Pull me back into focus. Okay, cool. Uh, You know, it's just getting to know their personality, what makes them tick, and how we can help them be themselves. I remember when I started in retail, being a teacher was actually a very dark secret of mine because the leader that I had was like, I don't want you here if you don't want to move up because that was very much. So the culture at the time was, um, we want, we need to grow our next generation of leaders. And it makes sense from an HR standpoint because they see the, you know, that was at the point in time of the mid two thousands when a lot of people were retiring. So from an HR standpoint, they had to get people to want to grow up within the brand. Right. Um, but my leader took that to mean something completely different. So that was a dark secret of mine. And I was like, um, I don't want anybody to ever feel that way. So I've hired people that want to be nurses. I've hired people that want to be all these different types of people in the world and I've had some people that are like, this is far more fun. So I'm going to stay here, <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> Right. which is what you did.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and
0: was successful. As you mentioned earlier, you're making great money. You're leading a multi-million-dollar business. You're leading large teams. You're mm-hmm. doing all of that. That is some of the joy of retail. You're yep. doing it. I'm really glad you shared that because it is often we shy away from, from people who think that this is kind of a one year stint to mm-hmm. do something mm-hmm. and. I, I would absolutely agree with you. Of like, but that one year, I can add so much value in a in a short amount of time for whatever that person chooses to do afterwards. What? Why not have that opportunity even for a year? Why not? And once again, thinking back to what companies do best, Elizabeth Morgan shared
1: on several of her posts where, you know, she felt encouraged by companies that she's worked for to grow her skill set, so she could one day be something else, even if it's not necessarily at that company. Mm. And for me, that was a really big, wow. I remember all those years ago when I started that journey and my leader was like, you want to be here to be this, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Right. (laughs) So that kind of shut down my creativity and going back to trust in the workplace, me and that leader probably would have had a far better relationship if I could have been open with that leader and share, this is what I want to do.
0: Yeah. So, but early in your career, that takes a lot of courage uh, yeah, and absolutely. you don't have the skills yet to do it. So no, not at all. <laughs> but that's the the beauty again, of kind of being a better leader today than you were yesterday of saying, I remember how that felt when I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I want to be a leader where someone doesn't feel the same way that I did. If every day you did one thing that changed that trajectory, then that's also has such a positive impact in retail.
1: It really does. And leaders in particular, I don't think, you know, going back to uh, where you spend your leadership capital, you sometimes have to zoom out and think of your focus. If I say one thing in my store, it's gonna impact, you know, we we employ close to 300 people in our area. So that one statement that I say could impact 300 people. If we zoom out and you say something, uh, a leader at a higher level says something on a conference call, well, that's going to impact thousands of associates. So be mindful of your words and what you say to
0: encourage results and encourage growth. So we'll wrap this up and think about kind of the industry as a whole, you've been working in it for a long time. We both have what excites you most about the future of retail?
1: The integration of technology is really exciting for me. People have been saying since the 1950s that technology is going to take away all the jobs. Well, it, it hasn't, and it's Mm. not going to. So in particular, how the technology is going to integrate. And there are some companies that are doing some smart things to integrate technology, to allow for more of an emotional connection to the, to the shopper and to the associate. So that really excites me. And I think the other thing that excites me too, is people want to work where they feel accepted and there was a study that that i was reading where a lot of gen z's said if the workplace got in their way of their personal life they would quit so as leaders we're having to shed you know 40 50 years of uh, of training of the work has to come first but there is a balance and i think that's where we're going now in the retail industry is how do we create that balance? How do we make this a appealing career for, for younger
0: generations to want to help build those connections? Yeah. Thank you, Hugh, for being here today. You are a bright light in Orlando and retail is better in this city because of you can tell. Thank you so much,
1: Ron, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for being
0: here. Thank you, Hugh, for being on the show today and to all of you for listening. Please subscribe, review, and then share this podcast with everyone you know in retail. You can go to RetailPride.com or follow me on Instagram at RetailPride to see all the details about the Retail in America tour, media links, and contact me directly to nominate a retail hero for this podcast, host a retail networking event, or just say hello. Keep your retail pride strong, and I will see you on the road.